This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. We Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario. The lady over there, Ramya Amuthan. Hello. And she is at the main campus in studio in Toronto. A big hello to you. And the word here is we might see... Saturday and Sunday with sun, which would be the first time since November 18th weekend. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Serious. So That's a wild stat. Look at, look wow. at that. Look at that. Going. That's digestible, but in, in a real like small bite. Like two and a half, like, more than two, two and a half months. Yeah, where we you have a Saturday and Sunday back to back. sun. Oh, man. Without sun two Unreal. days in a row on a week. Without a sunny weekend. Yeah, a whole wow. weekend. A whole weekend. Wow. And to so think, like, no during the summer, we just take it all for granted, right? Sunny all well, the time. I think we don't worry about it, because even if it's yeah. somewhat cloudy or whatever, it's still temperatures yeah. are nice, and it's, oh, good, this is a nice day, it's a bit cloudy, we can do this. You have all these alternatives. But when November's so dark, you finish up December's dark, January's dark, you really notice that, that's another one of those weekends, oh, it's dark, why go anywhere? I can put more lights on in here. Yeah. And so I guess it really has an effect. And with, wow. you know, we already know the colder, darker, shorter days. Uh, yep. Plus, people working from home, majority of us working from home all, all the time, if not, you know, most of the time. The And not going out for other reasons because you don't feel social or whatever. We're counting on the sun to kind of remember that we're alive. And my friend and I were saying the other day, like, wow, I don't feel like a zombie today because it's you got five minutes of sun. Yeah, so. I think you also have to have that social, even if it's just walk down the street, hi, hi, even yeah. if the people look at you it's like, what the heck do you want from me? What are you doing? You yes. know, I think when you hear something, hi, good day, it just makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you're interacting as opposed you're to, actually alive. you know, yeah, and I think because it's a strain and if somebody greets you back with a, oh, hi, it just makes <laughs> you feel that much better. Let's take a look, folks, see if we can make you feel better and tell you what's coming up today on our program. There's a new AI tool that is showing how much delivery apps mark up meals. Yikes, John Beeler's here with them. The I, juicy details. I can't wait to get on that rant. Also, the NHL All-Star Weekend has officially kicked off in Toronto, and Brock Richardson's going to share this and other stuff on our sports update. And, of course, on the chatty bookshelf this weekend, Ryan, this weekend, well, I'm already getting ahead of things. Must be the sun. Uh, Ryan Hui is going to be telling us about StoryGraph, which is being described as a catalog and app for readers. We'll get into that conversation with him on the chatty bookshelf later on in Hour 2. So here's interesting, depending on how you feel about this, products found in American grocery stores could be tied to prison labor. It's a concept that's completely legal and dates back to as far as the 1800s. Items you find in your local supermarket have ties to prison labor. That's according to a two-year AP investigation into the prison-to-grocery store pipeline. Andrea Armstrong is a law professor at Loyola University, New Orleans. So the 13th Amendment prohibits slavery and involuntary servitude, except that there is a, um, a provision that allows for incarcerated people to be forced to work. The AP also found that American companies were internationally exporting goods tied to prison labor. 
When the AP reached out to some companies that use prison labor for a comment, McDonald's, General Mills, and PepsiCo said they'd investigate any links. I'm Haya Panjwani. So, interesting. Back in the day, we used to always make the joke of, yeah, they'll put you in jail, you'll be making license plates. <laughs> it was this whole uh -huh. joking thing. And at that point, you understood, same with breaking rocks was the other terminology, that people in jail did not have a right to say yes or no. They are put on the chain gang or the road gang. So whatever way you want to put it, and we're, we're forced to do work. So one of the things that I think I've started to think over the years is that people doing work in jail, if they sign up to do it, get some kind of little allowance, certainly not minimum wage, certainly not whatever, but so they can go and buy their toiletries and things like that, or extra chocolate bars or whatever from the canteen. This is what I think. I have no idea how true that is because I thought we went past this possibility of somebody in, in whatever obscure prison, you know, get out there and break those rocks or or make, you know, go out there and make Jeez. patties or whatever, press patties for, for McDonald's, whatever they've got the jail, you know, the guys in jail doing. I can't imagine it's that, but whatever. Well, not um, here, but other places around the world. Somebody popping roaches into the patties. Yuck. Just to add extra protein. Ugh. Anyway, it's just too many crazy visions there of people striking back. But Ramya, I, I had assumed there was some kind of payment, as little as it might be. But by the way, this sounds no. I mean, Danielle McLaughlin has brought this up at least twice on the show since we've gone to TV, and she's talked about how even if there is a choice, it's not really a choice, right? Like, you're no. you're talking, no. there's no livelihood, there's no um, real way out of the system that you're in, you have to serve the time, so you're trying to be productive, or you're trying to That's get right. involved Fill in some way. Time. Yeah, yep. and then there's even, of course, that marketing, if you will, of, you know, you are... Um, you're, how do you say it, offering your skills to society. Like, this is you being a good citizen. You know, this is you paying your dues and paying back, exactly. And think, thinking, like, that is what we need to do to rehabilitate, to then go through all the other visions and missions and reasons why you're in prison in the first place to get out. Uh, but there's something just inertly wrong about it, I think, especially if we, on the other side, no pun intended, but I guess, uh, of are, are, you know, getting the products or not even being aware of how these products are being uh, worked on and, and being employed by people in prison. So I've pointed out in my head the not paying the people are of something or of having some reward in some capacity is wrong. But the other area that's wrong for me is what do you mean? Private business companies, corporations yeah, can make money. Right. It's, it's one thing if they were doing work for the government or or something to help certain circumstances. Like just be transparent about it. Well, I, I don't care about that as much as as much as don't make these people work for McDonald's, Amazon. Let them hire people. They have the means. Oh, well, Let yeah. them pay oh, people. Scapegoat. None of this freebie mm -hmm. stuff for them. Government? Yeah, okay. All right. That there I, I can handle. All right, we can get on about that for a while, folks. Obviously, coming Frank up next, Jackson, we're going to yeah. switch gear. One, yeah, one hundred. I think, I think we are having a talk very soon when it comes to the legal system um, or the penal system. Coming up on our gardening segment, Susan Kearney lets us in on February's flowers. Rum, we're out of January. Time for February to blossom. Oh, that worked. The iris and the violet. Up next with Susan Kearney on our gardening segment. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
Sometimes we get stuck, Ramya, because we get in on a topic and we realize the clock is against us. Yeah. Be quiet. But sometimes I think that answers the question when we know we're going on and saying, wow, we're getting into this. Maybe that's when we stop and back come back time. to it another time, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Friday, we always boast about the fact that it's our day to kind of settle back, enjoy, swing open that gateway to the weekend, and we always get it started visiting with our gardener, Susan Kearney. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. One of the debates we've been going through, Suze, is how long darn January seemed for most people. Do you feel it's the longest yeah. month of the year for you? Yes, definitely. I think it had about 60-odd days in it, for sure. Wow. And does it feel like that yeah. for you every year? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, January always seems to drag on. I don't know whether it's, um, you know, because we've sort of come off the, you know, December, November, December, where, you know, you have uh, celebrations and you're, you know, with a lot of people, and then you sort of have to get back into the swing of things. But um, I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah. it always seems long. We were discussing the fact that from Canadian Thanksgiving right on, we almost try to pretend American Thanksgiving's ours too for some people <clears throat> in the crowd, um, especially the football fans, Jeff Ryan. Especially people um, actually so, take it off, yeah. Yeah, we soak it out as much as we can. And, you know, how many days you save for the last three months? Don't worry about that. Um, Sue, <laughs> but we're talking February now. We've arrived here, Groundhog Day. Yes. What did he say? Yes. Only six weeks left of, of that nasty because of he did not see his shadow? Six I think I heard that weeks. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed yeah, to... Six. Yeah. yeah. So It'll you want to talk about some February flowers, the shortest month of the year, after us going through the mm -hmm. longest what feels month. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know who chooses these, but I always find it very interesting um, what um, flowers are represented uh, for what m uh, month. And for the month of February, we have irises. That's mm. our first one, and um, which is very, very interesting. And the, the iris family actually has approximately 300 or more um, species in it, uh, which is uh, a, a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot for one flower. Yeah, I used to get surprised and, um, when you throw out numbers like this. Like, yeah, the mint family has 1,182 species. But I'm just, yeah, now, definitely. after so and, many and conversations, counting. exactly, after so many yeah. conversations with you like this, I've become um, more open to the idea that everything is related to everything else. Okay, well, so you're saying... And, and remember that? When one iris, when you knew when anyone spoke of irises in your head, the only difference was maybe colors or something like that? Mm. It, it, we we had no idea that. or comparison, just like animals or just right. whatever. So 300. Yeah. Yeah, 300. And the ones I have in my garden, they are North American native ones, and they, um, it is the blue flag iris. And I started growing them. I actually bought them at a, um, a plant sale one year, and um, I specifically said, can I grow these in a planter? And I was told, yes, absolutely you can. They like a lot of sunshine, and they like wet feet, which is rather difficult to um, to do. 
um, because uh, you know, you've got to keep the the bottom of them wet, their like their their roots wet, and yet they really like uh, a tremendous amount of sunshine. Uh, mine are right out in the sunshine, sunshine all day. Mm. Um, what I did do is I took a planter, and um, like <laughs> for every planter, you know, they should have holes in them, but we, I did the opposite. I did not poke any holes into it, or um, mm. I took a planter that didn't have any drainage holes in it, and uh, I put uh, rocks in the uh, small rocks in the bottom, and then the the different soils. And mine are now five years old. They have done very well in in that kind of um, in, in in that kind of climate in the. In the environment, yes. And what is really interesting is because many irises actually grow in our marshy areas. So right. that's that's one of one of the reasons. That's why, why you want the drainage slower. Yes, yes. So they they stay um, damp, so that the soil around them stays damp. And hopefully, uh, mine will come up for the sixth year, which will be really hmm. really nice. And um, then I think this year I'll probably take some of them and um, put them into another container. So I'll have two containers. I really wanted them to get well established. And this year they did very well. So they were good in the fix. So I think probably um, this coming fall I will dig some of them up and put them into another planter. So, Susan, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Go ahead, Ron. Oh. I was really thinking about the, the sunlight thing again with February. And it's funny because, you know, we talk November, December, January even being pretty dark. But if you get the snow in this part of, of Canada and you had flowers, irises, maybe they have that chance of at least seeming like it's brighter and, and, and that kind of thing if you're growing, growing them. But it's interesting that it's a February flower. Yes, it, it, it is. Now, my mine are, are asleep right now. They're covered right. up. I cover them up with um, newspaper and um, and um, burlap, and then I wrap them in uh, a heavy plastic. I wrap the container in a heavy plastic. So right now they are sleeping. I will probably start removing uh, some of that material come um, the end of April uh, after mm. after the frost, because right, since frost. they are in a container, they can be. Um, they they can get frost very quickly. Okay. And how do you know, or can you know, that they're going to do well again? So because you have five years of a sample now, uh, are you able to tell some signs of it being a good year for them? Or, you know, is it just uh, keeping our fingers crossed and doing the same thing so that you don't screw it up? Well, la last year, um, when I unwrapped them, I was very pleased to find out that they were... Um, still quite happy. I cut them down, of course, because they can grow quite tall. They, they were about four feet um, by the, the, the time they had fully grown. That uh, is tall. Full growth. Mm -hmm. It is tall. They, they, yes, these ones, the blue flags are very tall. Um, that, that there are miniature um, irises. but That's what that I was imagining, just like a family. potted plant, you know, like this is... Very much not oh, what no, I was imagining. I was thinking of even smaller than that, to be honest with you. I, I, I know they can be tall, but I find it interesting when you talk about transporting the bunch, and I'm sure you'll you'll set the environment the same, huh. but you wonder <laughs> on that success or how fluky, if fluky, the success you have been. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it, it'll be 
it'll be interesting. I I really like them. They're very showy and they they stand up very tall in the garden. So they're, you know, they they really show off their, you know, their their um, the, they say blue, but it's actually a purpley blue color. So that's that's why it's I gather its name. Uh, and uh, the, the flowers when they bloom in June, they they are they are simply beautiful. They they're very showy. And, and are they soft? Can you describe the like the layers or the actual texture exactly of the flowers? Yes. Okay. Um, the uh, the leaves they they come up from what you call rhizomes. Um, you know what a snake plant looks like. They sort of feel like that, although they're not a succulent. But the leaves are sort of like that. So they come up from the soil. Um, they're long. And the, the leaves come to a point, uh, top point, uh, very long and pointed, so they stand up very nicely. And then the flowers are on stalks, and there's usually a single flower on every on on each of the stalks, and they grow up in between the um, in, in between the leaves. So they they stand up very nicely. They they are a very a very showy, very showy plant, and they mm. attract a lot of our um, uh, a, a lot of our pollinators. Mm, so nice. they're nice. they're a no. good one to have in the garden. Uh, yes. Are the stalks on the edges a little almost? Would one would say sharp? Am I thinking this the right when I feel an iris? They're pointed, not not sharp yeah. as much as they're pointed. Uh, I okay. suppose that they, you know you you could say they were sharp. They do come to a point. The leaves do come to a point. Yes, okay. absolutely, okay. they right. do. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Next All right do we wanna, yeah, let's talk about the other lady hmm. of February. Ah, this, this is violet, um, and and I always think of violets as an old-fashioned flower. I I don't know why, but that's uh, this is the name. That's just sort of. See, I think of that yeah. with iris. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, both of them could both be. Both of them, they, definitely. You know, sort of yeah, 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 definitely. And our the violets, I don't have any in my garden. And, um, however, um, these will come up in, in the spring you know, if you have them in your garden. And although they're called violet, and we think of them being purples, different kinds of purples, they can be yellow or pink or this white evening. flowers on them. Yeah, so that's, which is very interesting. And um, they can be rather, and I don't like to wor use the word invasive, but I will, um, because <laughs> they will grow out of your garden and into your lawn. I know people who ha have had them um, in their gardens, they always have to keep um, clipping them back because they will um, creep out into um, into the lawn and uh, like a lot out of the, the the flower beds, but they're they're a nice low lying plant. They're not a tall plant, so they're low lying. So they're nice for borders. Actually, they're very very nice for for a border. Very showy. Um, they have a lot of flowers, and I think one of the reasons why um, that was probably chosen for Feb flower was chosen for February is because. Their leaves are heart-shaped, and they really are heart-shaped. Uh, They're yes. a lovely little, Huge. yeah, cool yeah. heart shape. Yeah. Uh, do they Quite have a, a Valentine scent? flower. An aroma? Yes. Yes, they do. They have like um, a very, um, well, I'm going to say powdery sort of scent. Mm. Uh, very, very light powdery sort of scent. Oh, also 
also a bit old-fashioned. Yeah. I was going to say, that. now, um, I might be thinking of lavender, though. I'm getting all my colors mixed up. You know, where people use the, the flavoring in foods, especially in desserts, you're getting a lot more of this kind of stuff. Violet's not one of them, is it? Well, yes. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's coming back, but years ago, uh, they used to sugar the, uh, the violet flowers so that um, they, they would be like, ca like candy. Oh, candied um, violets, okay. I, yeah, candy violets. And I'm not really, I, I, don't, I don't know that you ate them. I think <laughs> so they were just like decor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I think they were just decoration. But, oh, I could be wrong. Maybe somebody did eat, eat them. Um, yeah. Maybe they went so along with the chocolates for Valentine's Day, right? When anyone said flowers yeah. and chocolate, maybe it went along, and that's where you kind of get that idea to make it look good and smell good, even better, like you said. Yeah. Garnish can spell. be confusing, you know? You don't know if you're supposed to eat it or toss it. It's... Do I wrap these chocolates in these uh, violets? <laughs> yes, very, very much, yes. That's they're, wild, they're, they're a cool plant. It's a cool plant, awesome. yeah. Suze, we'll talk to you next Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Yes, you too. Bye. Uh, well, and, and thanks for bringing your friends, Iris and Violet. Appreciate it. Uh, we talk once a week with Susan Kearney on our Fridays. To start off our Friday edition, she helps us start swinging the gateway to your weekend open. Up next, there's a new AI tool that is uh, showing how much delivery apps Mark up meals. Now, John Dealer is going to be here with the details on this. He won't get a word in. Amuthan will take over on this one. Lots ahead. Here we go. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Romney return with more in a moment. Remember to do yourself a favor and us because we'd appreciate you subscribing to the Kelly and Rumya podcast. That way you can check out the show at your leisure. You can check it out in segment form. You can check out the whole show. We even throw in an audio vanity card. I tossed one in there for you today. Later on, we didn't even know if I was going to be on the show because yesterday at the beginning of the show, we had such echoey sound coming out of the, the studio here. So uh, the adjustments were made. And now I'm I kind of miss it though. Yeah, yeah, Before we were talking about that. It was kind of cool. Crystal Joe's, right? For anyone who remembers those back in the Kelly Co. days, um, there was one of you singing in the shower. Yep, yeah. It sounded just like one. it was a throwback. So Yeah, it was really weird. And I, I can hear that sometimes on my board. We realized what was going on. But it, it one day I it, the, it was happening and my volume was up on one pot, ladies and gentlemen, so I could actually hear back. And I couldn't understand how come I was so loud. Until the fire truck went by outside. Then oh. I realized, really, something was wrong. Wow. Um, Ramya Muthan, she's in Toronto at the studio. Kelly McDonald, right here in London, Ontario. All right, let's get to our opinions and rants over some tech stuff that's going on. This is the App Update with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. 
Don, no joke. Like, sometimes he'll send the topics over a couple days in advance, and we uh, look at them, and then I'm like, I cannot wait to get into the rant on this one. So That's why, John, anyone we're teasing like that, especially <laughs> if you think she's going to rant, you got to put it first or second, because third hey. may just be left, like, for a week or so. Also, it's collective. Yeah. It's not just me ranting. It could be any of us, okay? Just I just want to get John, say it going. With me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know I can't help it. Okay, so we're talking about Ritual's menu IQ. So this is something that Ritual put out, and it shows how much delivery apps are marking up meals. Tell us all the details. Yeah, this is a really interesting sort of take on the food delivery app. Uh, Ritual itself is a food delivery service and an app mm -hmm. that you can order from. Um, but what they do is they show what their competitors are charging. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is not unlike what we've seen in the travel space where you know you yes. can see all the other hotels or other yeah. flight options. Uh, very similar, um, because one of the interesting things that happens with these services is they have a commission fee that they charge the restaurant and then those fees unfortunately get passed on to the consumer and so typically a lot of times the meals that you see on the menus on your phone app are actually much higher than what you'd pay if you just went into the restaurant yourself directly um, yes. because someone has to get paid and the restaurant doesn't want to lose that money for doing the same thing that they would do if you came to the restaurant or if somebody comes as your proxy mm -hmm. uh, from uber eats or doordash or whomever so I think this is a really interesting take um, on this because it really lets people understand how much these companies are charging the restaurants for this service. And, and you know, some people will say, well, that's the price of convenience and that's the that's the thing is, but the reality is, is that some of these restaurants have a, a hair thin margin of uh, profit. And if they don't you know, um, make a profit, they don't exist for very long. Yeah. So right, your favorite right, uh, burrito right. place could go away very quickly if you're not um, supporting them locally as best as yeah. you can. So and we get fooled, Ramya, by the 99 cent delivery. You think, oh, that's yeah, good like we're all, because it's not right. 250 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We think like it's not terrible and or free delivery. But then, like you said, there are all these, quote, hidden fees underneath all this other stuff. Um, and somebody's got to pay them. So, John, what are we talking about when like how much are we talking about when it comes to the margin? Like how much more are we paying on apps sometimes? Yeah, the markup margin so the example that ritual has is um a ten dollar burrito so a, a ten dollar and 49 cent burrito that's the in-store price okay. and then they also list doordash and uber eats and it's a two dollars and fifty cent markup for one burrito yet right out. That's, that's just the food that's not the delivery fees or anything else that you would have to pay on top or of the that. two dollars that that they ask for do you want to donate two dollars to the store no that's unreal <laughs> i'm already giving them my paycheck <laughs> wow okay so the, the other interesting thing about this and i know rum you're gonna have a, a thought about this or two um is this isn't a perfect science because not every restaurant shares this uh, obviously uber eats and and doordash and skip the dishes aren't sharing this information so what uh ritual has done is they've used ai and some sort of back-end uh searching to basically cross uh search for an actual menu uh for that restaurant right. in person and then they mm -hmm. basically 
look up that product that's that's the specific thing that you're looking to purchase and they'll show you what the in-store price is which i think again is 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 great transparency um the other thing that's interesting about ritual is they like i mentioned at the beginning they are also a delivery service they have a very different pricing model for um for restaurants, they start off with a very low 10% commission fee, but then they also have a monthly fee that's a flat rate that doesn't have a commission. Because when you think about it, if I just buy a burrito, that's 250 that DoorDash is getting mm-hmm. just for me choosing a burrito from that one place. Not to mention all the other fees and taxes and stuff that, that they, co- they collect, plus the tip for the driver, yep. in those types of things. Um, so this is just a... a, a, a I guess I guess just a lot more transparency in what these things mm. actually cost. So and how you'd, much you'd pay for Ritual to use their service? Is that what you're saying? You pay that flat fee, and then they're transparent about the 10% commission that goes into the the app every uh, purchase or so. Well, the the restaurant pays the fee, not you. Oh, I see. Okay, That's, not the consumer. Yeah, so so unlike uh, DoorDash or Uber Eats or Skip, they get dinged every time you order, um, and so that's why the restaurants mark up their menus that appear on those services. This is super wow. smart yeah. on Ritual's uh, end. Very, very smart. Like, not only are they doing the comparison between all the other apps, but they're using AI and they're saying, hey, this is what you'd pay when you come in person. And what we're, what's essentially happening is, as we learn this information, we're appreciating and leaning into Ritual more anyway, just because they're the ones giving us the information, right? So, yeah. and this has been happening for years. Like, this is not new. This is not another delivery service coming into the, the game or the business. Um, they're saying fyi this is what you guys you know this sucks for you and we're here to fix it brilliant yeah brilliant marketing yeah yeah it's brilliant marketing and also it really shows you how brainwashed we become because if you use uber oh, eats twice a week whatever you also not only convenience but you don't even know the real price in the in the no. restaurant you just think food's gone up and right now that's all we talk about yeah it's this not- much money you just believe that's what it is and if you walk into the place that's when you get the, the shock i'm sure when you look and say well hold on a second my burger at home when I what? But it's if you so tend basic. to only do Uber Eats, you're done. You don't know ever. It's such a basic thought process for me now. I literally go, oh, I haven't Uber Eats in two weeks, so I deserve this, and I'll spend just like eighty dollars on a meal, not even caring about what that money is going towards, what the breakdown is. Just boom, 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 and and that's it. Like it's become so automatic, right? We're not even breaking down the stuff for us. So this kind of like the nutritional information or the calorie count that you get uh, on menus now, uh, they're saying FYI, and this is the comparison for you. Like they're putting yep. the info in our face. Yeah, and it's interesting because you have that $10 if you wish, you know, that, or t- 10% uh, for, for using it kind of thing, yeah. and they're being so transparent. Or, hey, like, I love the the damn Uber thing because they'll say, hey, you know, you can save yourself some money. Well, geez, yeah, I'm spending so much now. I know right. you're just going to bring me down to only paying half a bit more of what I've been paying on top of in sense of. Um, John, you want to move on over to Microsoft Edge importing Chrome data without, uh-oh, user consent. Yeah, this is a... A problem. Uh, it's considered yeah. a bug, not a feature. Um, so when uh, you launch Edge browsers uh, on a Windows machine, right now at least, um, what it'll do is it'll automatically import your Chrome tabs regardless of whether you've turned this feature off or not. Um, I understand from a user usability standpoint and sort of just the overall experience of making Edge more like Chrome by bringing in your Chrome tabs and things like that, but 
there's lots of reasons why people separate their browsers. You know, you want to have your work browser and then you want to have your personal browser, those types of things. And um, there is a setting to turn this feature off in Edge, but it doesn't seem to actually do anything. It still imports those tabs from Chrome, which, you know, is a huge privacy issue for, I think, a lot of people. Right. Wow. And you said, was it last week or the week before that you have just like a million tabs open all the time? So we're not even necessarily aware of uh, the kind of information that's being taken. What is sucking up? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whoa. Well, and that's the key thing is they're bringing these things in and then essentially anything that's in edge for uh, tracking and users and those mm. types of things, it's all there and you haven't had a chance to even turn it off yet. Oh. And you sit out there, John, with those tabs open, in your case, when one thinks about it, if we're all doing that, you're sitting there for hours sometimes mm -hmm. with the same tab or playing on a site or doing hours. something. Some of us don't even somebody... turn off our computers or well, close our browsers. Thing. Or you get or you get a call and you're away at the, you know, doing something else while that browser's, hello, I'm this and that's what's yeah. going on. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, John, are there tools to help people kind of detox in these ways or clean up or reset with tabs with browser extensions, whatever to, you know, cause if we're just mindlessly scrolling and keeping things open all the time, and then this stuff is happening where between browsers, uh, things are being tracked. Yeah. That, I mean, there is tools, but the tools themselves have their own inherent problems because oh. you have to give them permissions to do things, to see your tabs, do other things. And not all extensions are a hundred percent above board. So, um, I generally don't, do that myself. Okay. I manually close the ones. I, I I try to do it maybe once a week, at least go through and like, hey, can I bookmark this? Can I just close these tabs that I don't need anymore? Right. Those types of things. Um, but yeah, generally the, the tools that are out there, unless they're built into the browser, which again, in this case is actually a problem, it's a bug. Um, they're not going to really help you. Because um, the other challenge I think a lot of people probably experience is they have an underpowered computer that's got too many browser tabs open. And depending on the browser that you're using, those tabs can stay active and take up memory and reload uh, on, a, on a whim or depends on the web page that you're on as to how often they reload. Um, YouTube videos can play in the background with the sound muted and you would never know. And again, right. if you're on a data constricted uh, internet plan, that might be a problem too. So um, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like cleaning up your house. It, most people do it like once a week, you know, on the Saturday. Yes. Supposed to. Mm. Yes. To, yeah, I'm supposed to. Uh, I won't pan around my kitchen and show you the state that's in right now. But, um, <laughs> but that's tomorrow's job. So, um, so yeah, so add it to your list of doing your dishes and doing everything else is clean up your tabs, clean up your cash. How convenient that you can, you're not going to clean your kitchen until the day after you get on with us. Tabs come first. Come on. <laughs> sure, sure, he's yeah. running, he's running plenty of tabs. <laughs> he's not here for a food segment. Yeah, um, yeah. John, real quick, Microsoft Edge. Did we talk about this already? Yeah, yes. Yeah, oh, you okay. Want the, Is there another one? Oh, I don't know. I'm lost. Okay, you tell uh, me what you it know is. All right. So there's a new iOS app called Arc Search. And I think it's kind of cool what they've done with this this tool. So imagine you're doing a Google search for something. So say something like, 
I want to find out all about Kelly and Ramya's show. Mm -hmm. And you would do a Google search and it would show you kind of all the things that it can find, not necessarily in any kind of order or, or you know, you might get different uh, uh, news mentions or PR mentions, those types of things. What this browser does is it creates its own web page specifically for your search and it will summarize everything using AI. So for example, if you want to get all the details about the all-star game that's happening right now and you're in Toronto, mm -hmm. um, you can do that and it'll show you all the highlights of the trades, all the games and you know things that are happening and the events and that kind of stuff. But it's a dedicated web page just for you and there's no ads and it's incredibly fast. I did a search for Kelly and Ramya and I got a nice little web page with all of your information about where to listen, where to watch, all that stuff in a really concise way that is even better than wow. the AMI website. Oh, um, and I also oh, did a search on myself. Oh, listen, listen, now you're getting things thrown at your picture from the marketing communications department. Did Beg you say pardon? it was better than AMI Plus? No. But um, it's cool that it curtails it, like it puts it all together, curates, excuse yes. me, curates it all together like that. Will um, it link, and you could, I gather you could save it and stuff, right? That does, yeah, does it have the links and everything, right? It has the links. Yeah, I did a search of my own self and it found my own website. It found all my social channels. It found my Gosh. LinkedIn profile. It created a summary of my resume, basically, because of all of my stuff that's online. And it's pretty cool. And you can save that and then you can go back to it anytime. That says wicked. And a note that said close your tabs. Yeah, I was just awesome. going to say, can we start getting reminders of these um, cleanups that we need to do on our computers? Just saying Apple, like that would be really helpful. Awesome, John. Get the A lady. <laughs> what did you say? Get the A lady to remind you. Oh, yep. okay. That's like an external source, though. I wish, like, the browsers themselves would be so kind and say... I've been open too long. Oh, I'm closing yeah. now. Close, Tab please. Out. <laughs> You're being tracked in 500 ways. Thanks, John. We'll yeah. talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, John. Enjoy cleaning. John Beeler uh, joins us on our app update. That's every Friday. We don't miss that because we got to get our tech reminders. Good grief. Cleaning his kitchen would be quicker than closing all those tabs. Yeah, right. Coming it's on next. a Saturday. <laughs> Tech companies are transforming the kitchen with AI and robots that do the cooking. Grant Hardy, he's here, also from Vancouver. He'll talk about it on The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We got Richardson here in a little while to talk sports. And you know, usually before the uh, Super Bowl, he comes on this show, and he won't be doing it today. It'll be like next Friday he would do it. And he'll do some of the prop bets, the things people are betting on. Uh, I wonder if he'll do your good friend uh, uh, Taylor Swift. Are you and if he might get another. Are you really doing yeah. this? Oh. Yeah, I thought maybe. It might be another oh excuse. Gosh. So maybe we need to get ahead of that so there's no Kareem Van Dusen and him Kelly. boxing match. <laughs> oh, we should totally get Brock and Corinne on a segment together. Yeah, on the same sports segment, let Brock do his ew and start laughing uh, and then let Corinne just be. appear and say, do you find that funny, Mr. Richardson? Yeah, and then we could do like oh. a side bet situation before getting that yeah. segment we'll where do our own listeners, right? Yeah, on how bad it's going to get or how long we go yep. without somebody throwing in the word yuck. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, folks, do remember, halftime entertainment for that thing is Usher. Oh, yeah. No one's talking about him, so I'm just trying to help him out like he needs our help. <laughs> we uh, do this segment Wednesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. We call it The Buzz. Today, we welcome in Grant Hardy. Grant, nice to have you back on the show. It's not like you've been on here once, twice, 500 times this week. What's up, co-host? Yeah, it's... it's. Have you gotten any listener 
viewer complaints yet? I'm gonna have to check the. We have well, a the, the only on one those. that we got that I noticed today was the one that said, "Oh, you're back, McDonald." Oh, that's too bad. Aww. That was the only one we got. <laughs> well, and I told David Arrington, "Well, leave me alone. Just keep paying me." Uh, <laughs> He's on salary. Exactly. Oh, that's rough. Well, I. Uh, what do we got, been, sir? I've been on the show a lot. I don't think I've ever done the buzz, so it's a lot of pressure. Beth is off. Uh, we really wish her the best. Hope she feels better and is back soon. And not to mention, although I've had my 62 cups of coffee, it is a lot of pressure filling in for Beth. Uh, all right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, I didn't mean that in a snarky way. Just no, no, about what? It. The 62 cups <laughs> yeah, of coffee? Wait, I'm really wondering so. how many cups now. Who are you lying now? to? Yes. <laughs> We're trying to get a Muthan to catch up so yeah, this, this whole team <laughs> with coffee you know, just tilts the scale and Starbucks and starts saying, what are you people doing? <laughs> Fridays are special. Well, be not maybe, folded, maybe a right? Slight, maybe a slight hyperbole. hyperbole. All right. Um, the, I give credit uh, to Beth for this article. It's a really interesting one, and it's talking about um, banning nuts and other uh, foods that are dangerous for people who have allergies in schools. Mm. And apparently researchers in Canada have actually concluded that a blanket ban on those types of foods like nuts is not the best overall solution. And in Whitehorse this month, there's a school, a call Emilie Tremblay, uh, which unveiled a new policy and it allows peanuts and tree nuts uh, in schools it is off in their school it's off limits for grades one and two if they're only if there are students in the class that have allergies uh but after that it sounds like students kind of have a free reign to bring in their peanut butter sandwiches their mixed nuts whatever it is and this policy apparently was in consultation with not only students who want to eat, and parents who want to eat nuts but also some students who are affected by allergies uh, some people are not in agreement here or, and are up in arms uh, but some parents with kids who are allergic to nuts do agree so apparently school staffers took a quote an online training course about food allergies and reviewed procedures on what to do when there's an allergenic reaction and how to use epinephrine uh, auto injectors properly they also went over this uh, with the students the importance of washing hands not sharing food and cleaning desks and tables once lunch is done mm -hmm. uh, children with allergies are also educated about that a little bit more specifically and how to behave to protect themselves uh i i one thing that i believe and have also read is that blanket bands can actually really create a lot of stigma amongst the kids uh, i actually had some food allergies as a kid and i ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches because i uh, sorry i said food allergies more food intolerance or or a little more than pickiness but food mm. intolerance and i ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches it was a healthy ish option that my mom could make me eat and uh i at the beginning of the school year had a kid in my class that was very allergic to nuts and it was a really tough one i don't think because of me but she was ultimately moved to another class and it was just a really a lose-lose situation like obviously her allergy is more important than me eating uh, nuts but i also just liked her like and would have been interested in being friends and it definitely created a little bit of a separation yeah uh, you know. on the other hand 
I'm not completely convinced that primary kids can learn proper hygiene 100% <laughs> because I remember yes. what schools were like. So it's that's where I'm stuck too, Grant. And and the kids it's, who are so so generous here have some of my peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Did I hear that you were? Uh oh. Um, I worry also about the cleaning because I know it sounds know, awful, exactly. but in this society we have, uh, oh, we're overworked. We don't have enough manpower. I can hear that cry now. Oh, also, Grant. Speaking of your mom. A big thank you. She passed on some some uh, uh, thoughts on the show. We shout appreciate out. those. Those were very very nice. So shout out for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I I worry about that, but I also do totally understand this. Also teaching that education piece because you can't change the world. And if someone's sitting on a bus one day and somebody you you don't want to create in, even more intolerance by taking something away where someone's body experience life and handling the problem, reading it and knowing, oh, I'm in trouble here. Somebody's here eating peanuts and they're right next to me and, oh, Grant just spilled some of his peanut butter sandwich on me. We need to be able to deal and know that and a child has to learn how to um, be able to manage to the best of their ability or certainly at least say, folks, I need some help. And, and yeah. I think that's where you talk about the band not being a good idea. Well, peanut allergies in general, nut allergies, uh, tree nut allergies, peanut allergies, and also just allergies in general can are so varied. Like some people yes. just can't be in a vicinity where you're, uh, there's contamination of nuts just around you, right? Because of the yeah, particles some in the just air. Can't ingest it, exactly. Right? Other people just can't yeah. have yeah. it. Other people, it's like you have to pay such close attention to traces of peanuts because it's that bad and it's you know deathly. Um, and then others, n not really. Like I'm good if yeah, I smell it. I'm good if it's in the area, but I can't have it myself. So I think the education aspect of it and the work you have to put in to really understand the new nuances of this conversation is a lot to take on especially for a school because you're talking like you said grant kids of all ages uh you're talking educators making sure that we're paying hyper attention to what's coming in and out of school um then there's probably separation of different parts of the facility as well like okay all the grades ones and twos can uh have to be nut free but three four five six are okay how are we doing that how are we separating the facility and the actual physical exactly. space how do you separate people on the playground? Right. How do you convince people? This yeah. is this is an inc incredibly difficult one for me. It and, goes uh, on. I, it is. It I is. Think Especially in, in if this... you've known of anyone who has been so severely affected. Mm -hmm. um, I've known people uh, that I've known who have become deceased with this due to this. I was going to so, say, yeah, there's also yeah. just like the aspect of who believes in allergies this way versus this way versus this way, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think in this particular case, this would be something where I would literally just go to the experts, give me the data on what's the mm. best policy, and go with that. Okay. From nuts to technology, still sticking with the kitchen at CES 2024. Hopefully you guys aren't sick of hearing about this yet, but there was quite a lot of uh, interesting kitchen tech. Actually, funnily enough, we touched on this a little bit on the show here yesterday, uh, but a lot of tech that is doing, uh, following the grant philosophy of life, which is requiring less work and more ability to be chillaxed and <laughs> lazy dare i say in the kitchen uh i'll just give a few examples tech startup chef ai they're unveiling what they call a real one touch air fryer so oh. unlike the air fryer you might have on your kitchen Ooh. counter right now chef ai's iteration of the popular appliance doesn't require 
any tinkering with settings at all. You just place the food in the air fryer, press start, and it uses artificial intelligence to detect what type of food it is that you're cooking. Uh, that's according to the company. Uh, apparently, the uh, air fryer, this is the marketing spin that would make me buy it, will turn, quote, even the worst cooks into chefs. Uh, it's going to be available in the U.S. for 250 hopefully a little bit uh, outside of that as well. We also have a, a bartender device. It's going to be called the Bartesian's Cocktail Mixing uh, Appliance, and it takes the guesswork out of bartending. So it's going to basically... Uh, uh, sorry, hang on. I hold up to four different types of spirits. Oh, yeah. And it's going to basically make your a drink. You just use a touch screen to pick what you want over 60 recipes, and it just Well, does that's it not accessible. Sorry, well, I was just going to say, sign Rumya up for the mixology course that's led by it. Are we going to yeah, hire someone to press the touch screen for me? Go on. That's a, Rumya, you can make these fantastic four drinks. I'll teach you how with this mixology. <laughs> Pay for my IRO, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, don't know what to say about that. I like to think they've installed the talking software, but I'm also not naive. So, Ramya, I'll give that one to you. Uh, and lastly, we have a um, robotic barista that apparently actually mimics the way a human behind the counter of your favorite coffee shop might prepare your order. Uh, so basically preserving the, fi the fine craft of coffee uh without having to go to your coffee shop uh so that is literally so vague i don't even know what that means <laughs> like, aren't there already coffee makers that you know make you exceptional coffee because they're so fancy setting though if you know the way what you setting? take it whatever adjustment that's what i'm saying i wonder if it has a setting that you can make it specifically the way that make you, this with love little weird things with the hospitality not, oh. you, you don't tell them that at, <laughs> at starburst or box also, or whatever wait, when you're uh, in there no, before we go, I really want to know, is the air fryer going to flip and toss my stuff for me? Because that's really you important. You won't have to do anything but push uh, the one button. One touch means that it I do not like... have to flip and toss in the middle. My French sounds fries. Sounds like that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, really Let's squeeze your last one in, Grant. Cozy cardio. This is a new type of workout that's become popular on TikTok. <laughs> it basically involves wearing comfy clothes, maybe even carrying a cup of hot tea and walking in place possibly with a mini treadmill uh, at home no stress no membership fees no yeah no going to the gym anything like that and the idea is to just be really chill care for yourself while you're working out and uh that apparently has become really popular people are, are getting into this because they're actually kind of using workout as sort of a self-care technique mm. what with all yes, that's going sure. on in the world getting some movement in yeah yeah, and you feel better, but mostly it's not following this. You have to do this for so many minutes. Slow down, then do this. Get take a rest point at that. It's just get on there and on one, whatever. Two, three, just four. go. Do it again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not worry, this is... you know, and not worry tea, about. Have I been on there four minutes, two hours? Doesn't matter. Maybe one of the Stanley cups with tea in it, so you don't accidentally spill. I like and it. what you'll do, this is for Rumya after she's been using the one touch deep fryer. It better toss my fries. And I overcrowd, remember? So I'm really going to be you putting this to can, the test. Oh my you can gosh, sue the heck out of them if they, if they don't. <laughs> okay. Because wow. then it's not uh, one join touch. Us.
next Wednesday for the buzz when okay. we get back into it. We talk Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We step aside, folks. Thanks, Grant. We'll talk to him in a little while when we get to cut for time. In that uh, in that hour, we'll get talk when we get the segments from the past week. And on the Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan Huey is going to be telling us about StoryGraph, which is being described as a Cadillac, a Cadillac? Catalog app, an app for uh, for readers out there. Up next, though, the NHL All-Star Weekend is officially kicked off in Toronto. Brock Richardson shares his thoughts on the festivities momentarily. We return. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. ladies and gentlemen all those great items that grant told us about that was at uh, uh the consumer electronics show he wouldn't do yeah you wouldn't get the barista coffee maker you don't feel the need because you only go to uh an expensive coffee shop every six months so you say Fine. i'm sure witnesses in front of ami okay will in say, the summer well, there's a few days. more so the average is a bit off but okay, still um <laughs> you wouldn't bother with uh, the the because you don't trust it as you put it. You would not bother with the deep fryer, the one time touch air deep fryer. Air fryer, Kelsey, oh. air fryer. We're not deep frying. Sorry, what anymore. I say, deep fryer. Excuse yeah. me, air fry. Sorry. No, because if it's not I flipping my burgers or my overcrowded French fries, uh, and knows how I want my shrimp, you know, I just don't trust it. Like but, I feel like I have to micromanage but, this thing. But I wonder what the AI tells it. Right. This is the perfect way. This is due to chef so and so. See, that's what you need to investigate. But AI is also supposed it, to know what we want. To... AI but get how? to know how I like my shrimp. I don't know. But the only way it can do that is you taking it out or you, uh, you know, doing certain things. I could so talk that... to it, tell it, teach it. Hmm. <laughs> maybe no, but that's not your. You laugh. I'm serious. Maybe there's got to be a way of teaching it, possibly. Yeah. But I also think it has enough ego, the manufacturers, to say yes. But your way doesn't mean it's the right way. This Whoa. is the right way. My air fryer is gonna fight with me. Okay. I probably would because I'm willing you know, to take people constructive are, you already feedback. argue in your kitchen. Now, what do you think you're doing? Remember the argue nine minutes versus 12 minutes for hard-boiled yeah. eggs? Richardson, I don't know if you were listening to any of these. We bring Brock Richardson in. We'll get a comment from him. But first, let's uh, welcome in to Talk Sports, the host uh, of sports every morning on Now with Dave Brown. And he visits us once a week on the program, Brock Richardson. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus Parasport news and analysis. So don't let us eat up too much of your time with this nonsense, because this is a never-ending argument here, sir. But I don't but know if any, any of those devices I, interest whoa. you. I love to argue. So wait a minute. Sorry, here. sorry. He likes to debate about Taylor Swift. There. That's what's oh, specific. Oh, you're, you're going to go there? You're, you're really going <laughs> to go there? We already went there. We did. Yeah, but he wasn't yeah. here. He wasn't witness to that. He heard it, though. No, yeah, no, I heard, I've heard all this. <laughs> I hear all this punk. Um, anyway, having said that, I do not want my AI to fight back with me because I'm quite happy fighting with it, it and letting it realize that <laughs> Winning I'm all the arguments. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is... This yeah. is Anyway, okay. I'm not talking about Taylor Swift this week because there's so much. No, no, that's part of the prop bets week. for next week, right? That's your prop <laughs> yeah, yeah. bets for next yeah. week. Once you know she's landed okay in her private chat, uh, and Usher has protest in front of the stadium. Sir, what's your leadoff item today? 
Well, I have an add-on today. Uh, something just came out into the news that Good. reportedly that the NHL is supposed to come back with its players to the 2026 Winter Olympic Games. So that is a report that is circulating around within the last hour or so. So that's something that's not confirmed, but it is reported. I like the idea. I know some people out there say, ah, the Olympic Games are for amateurs. I don't know. I like best on best, so I'm all for that. Yeah, but it's and... not best on best because not every country sends their professionals because they may not have them. Brock, is, did this come from the commissioner? Like, Did he already do his address? Uh, I thought TSN's that was yesterday, right? TSN's reporting it. Uh, every major sports outlet is reporting it, but it's only labeled under reports, not necessarily okay. confirmed. Fact. So that's okay. we, we're going to find that out, obviously, in a little bit. I never honestly thought that the NHL would, would never go back to the games. I know some, no, some people thought that it might be, but I, I honestly thought one day uh, they would... They would come back, and uh, what is old is new again. And speaking of what yep. is old is new new again, the Ontario Hockey League Mississauga Steelheads will be relocating to Brampton. Sound familiar? Well, that's because mm. the Brampton Battalion were part of the league from 1998 until the end of the 2013 season. And they got relocated because of, wait for it, lack of crowds. Um and we're going to revisit this idea in Brampton and the Ontario Hockey League because they're not happy with the fine food center where the Mississauga Steelheads are currently located. So we're going to mm. run down this whole thing about what is old is new again. I think it's ridiculous. I think we've had different teams, different leagues in and try the CAA center, and it just hasn't worked. So I don't know why we're we're going back to this well, but apparently this is where we're going to start uh, – next season okay. yeah you know the history has been in the ohl of moving teams around that's i mean why we have hamilton's team now in brantford so i guess we'll see mm -hmm. uh want to talk continue talking hockey but the all-star weekend for the nhl is off and running it's happening in toronto what are your thoughts i really struggle with these types of games because yes it's nice to have everybody under the same roof Obviously, these All-Stars are a part of what makes the NHL what it is, and this is where we are. Uh, but what I'm not a fan of is saying, let's play this three-on-three -three tournament, and to entice you, we're going to add a million dollars that the winning team would then split. If you have to entice your athletes to do something, you probably aren't doing it for the right thing. I love the skills competition. I think the skills competition is really something that is good, but uh, that's my favorite part of the, the weekend is the skills. And, and I love just seeing the separation of, like, this is the skill that you're going to take on, the hardest shot, the fastest skater. That's the skill part of things. That's where I want to see the All-Stars. Yes, it happens uh, in, in, uh, in the game, but we don't see it separated when you're watching an NHL game because you don't really take note of wow listen to how hard that shot was or see where it was or how fast he went around the rink that's the real belief in me in the all-star game and I apologize for jumping ahead on you guys on on the question there but yeah I really enjoy the the skills not necessarily the three-on-three -three 
part of things. So the rest of it, well, you think that is just not as interesting, or like it's interesting for fans, but not necessarily appropriate, or what? I think I think it's interesting in the sense of when you're in, when you're there in person, and you're spending buckets of money to go there for the weekend, and you know you're doing all the after party. I think that's where the draw is. I don't necessarily think it's for the viewing audience that says, I want to go see Sidney Crosby play with, you know, Austin Matthews. It's it's not about that. And they don't try very hard, rightfully so, in the actual game because nobody wants to get injured. The last thing yeah, a fan base fun, wants... Yeah, it's right? Yeah, and so you don't, you don't see that same level of effort because nobody wants to get injured. So it's... I struggle with these games and... And that's just where I'm at with it. Well, make them into an Olympic team. Oh, they are going to, possibly, right? Um, right. That's kind of where the, the one thing I will say, I'm not an all-star game fan at all. I'm not big on them returning to the Olympics. But, I mean, it is amazing and quite powerful when you get all these players and you realize how many top-notch celebrity star, whatever you want to call them, but proficient hockey players or basketball players, whatever the sport is, uh, on one team. Sir, let's continue a little bit more about the skills because I'm curious about it's built within the weekend. Do you like that? I mean, I know you like the activities and all that kind of thing, but they they kind of buzz around it, and I prefer skills in basketball. I prefer it with the NHL uh, All-Star Weekend. I, I don't know how else you would you would build it other than to put it around the weekend. You know, I think that that's the the greatest thing. I think, honestly, like, if I'm to break down the numbers, I'm going to suggest that you're going to get more people watching the skills competition than you are the, the, the game itself. Even the draft last night when, you know, the players are picking their team members, that's fun, that's different because it's playful, it's different. But when we look at this, the, the game, it's like, yeah, but we see this, you know, every every day, and, and it's not realistic to say this All-Star is here and there. But, again, it's one of those things where you look at and you say, what else are they going to do? You know, it's, it, we're here, and this is this is where it needs to be. So, yes, I, I love the fact that it's built in, but I don't know how else you do it other than to say it's built into the weekend. Yeah, bottom line is it's just some entertainment for fan base, right? It's just something to have while you know that it's not taken seriously, I guess, Potentially part of the mindset is for us not to take it as seriously anyway, but obviously spectrum of opinions here uh, Brock talk about the Toronto Blue Jays signing Justin Turner to a one-year deal Yeah, I mean this is this is a an interesting signing. I love it I don't I shouldn't say I love it. I don't mind it. I think the big question is what do you do with Matt Chapman? That's the big question. Do you leave Matt Chapman at third base? Do you, do you move on from Matt Chapman? What do you do? And I think if we're going to run this team back and say, let's do this, I would throw money at Matt Chapman and say, okay, let's see if you can if you can have a better year than you did last year. I just don't see this team as a team as of right now, as we sit here on February, you know, where, whatever the date is today, second, um, then this is not a team that I would say now they have World Series aspirations, but I don't know where they go to to get those World Series aspirations because everybody that we would have thought of is now off the table and moved somewhere else. So they're getting what they can get. But again, we're looking at the situation and saying, guys, are we just getting what's left and not building this team? It's tougher than people think it is to build a team. So 
I like this. I think he's a good addition. Now the question is, what do you do with Matt Chapman at uh, third base? Mm. Uh, Ken Dorsey, who was uh, let go from the Bills. Cleveland Browns picked him up. What are your thoughts on this? He's the offensive coordinator. Uh, yes, Ken Dorsey. I think that uh, he was let go too quickly. I think the Bills have a have a have a tendency to uh, to to do this too quickly. I mean, I obviously in sports sometimes you look at scenarios and you say, well, we got to do something to change the uh, the 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 dynamics. But I think overall the Bills uh, make make things. Uh, harder on themselves when they say nope you're no good to us and uh you're going to be gone they they hired uh, their quarterback coach uh brady uh who's going to be the offensive coordinator for the bills uh i'm fine with it i just don't know if it was too soon to say yeah we're just going to let you go and move on but that tends to be what the bills do they just say oh we're done it's all it's all good and uh, i think that's just the world you live in in sports is that sometimes you need an answer and sometimes you can pull the trigger too quickly, and I think that's what happened here. Enjoy the uh, All-Star Hockey game. And, of course, we got the big game in football on uh, Sunday uh, when so many of their athletes get together for what one would say is their All-Star weekend in the Pro Bowl. Brock Richardson hits us with the latest sports update on Tuesdays, on or Tuesdays, excuse me, Fridays on our program. Coming up next... The Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey. Today he tells us about Storygraph, which is being described as a cataloging app for readers. He's here in a moment. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Remember, folks, check us out live on AMI-tv from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 4 p.m. over on AMI-audio, you can find the edition of the program, that day's edition. Repeats of the program on both networks at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Check us out whenever you get time to enjoy Kelly and Ramya. Please do so. And, of course, reach out to us wherever you're listening in around the world, maybe on TuneIn Radio or OOTunes through AMI-audio. Glad to have you on board and across Canada on AMI-tv. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio of London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan over there at the studio in Toronto. We're actually getting into the second book chat of the week for us because we had our um, book club meeting on Tuesday. And now we're getting into the chatty bookshelf with Ryan Huey. entire library could fit inside your pocket. I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. How's it going, Ryan? Happy Friday. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Just quickly before we get in, Ramya, sorry to go back to sports. I was just listening to the last segment. Really? And I was actually... I was actually at Vendor Alley yesterday at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre for all the All-Star Games stuff, and... The one thing I do enjoy about the All-Star Game is they did the red carpet where they announce all the players and they come down and the amount of attention and time they took for fans, especially kids and families, was really great. That's sweet. Um, the, 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 just the time the play, it was probably, I'd say, I'm bad at distances, but maybe 500 meters, the red carpet, and it took some players almost half an hour to go down because they were posing for selfies. They were signing autographs with people. They were uh, doing all kinds of stuff. And it was the kids that were getting the best kick out of it. So that was something that 
you do really because you don't get to see that side of them you don't get to get that close more often than not so that's one thing i did like uh, and i do like about the all-star game is when the the fans do get that involved and that that happy. sounds like the intention around all-star weekend i'm telling you like it, it's not necessarily supposed to be this hardcore you know how do we feel about it? it's just supposed to be this relaxed weekend where people can get what they want from the players I think they, it's also a really amazing social thing, but it's also what mm -hmm. they do for community. Exactly. You see a lot of really cool things and just stuff for people to go out and do. Even if you don't even get close to the players, there's so many other neat things for parents to take their kids to, to yes. have fun and, and that kind of thing. Uh, Ryan, that was in the afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, it started in the afternoon. It goes all it goes all weekend, and our boys from Canadian Blind Hockey were there. I went and did the interactive stuff with them, shooting nice. the targets, and then... Uh, me and Joe got to pose with the Stanley Cup. So uh, the the keeper of the Cup said he's one of the only dogs that wasn't someone's pet dog that won the Stanley Cup to, <laughs> to actually get that close. So it was kind of a cool opportunity for him, I guess. Well, I think so. I don't know if he cared. <laughs> yeah, he probably didn't, but it's still for you as a, a rush to, <laughs> but you got to pose with it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's really nice, really cool. Brian, you wanted to feature an app that's making waves right now for... All kinds of book lovers, not just audiobooks. Yes. So this is kind of an ebook, uh, an audiobook, and a hardcover kind of thing. It's called Storygraph. It was founded in 2019. It's extremely similar to Goodreads, which Goodreads is your Facebook, but for book lovers, you post your what you're reading, what you want to read, what things you're looking forward to. Uh, you can uh, just make comments, recommendations, those sorts of things. But Storygraph was um, something a little bit similar, but something much different. And it's taking the online world and the book lovers, book enjoyers uh, kind of world by storm. And it's really cool because I think I've kind of ventured into it a little bit. I don't have an account that I'm actively using just yet. You recently learned made... about it? Like you didn't know about yes. it for a long time? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned about it last month and I was, my intention was to try it out before, um, before kind of uh, letting you guys know and chatting about it, but I, I just haven't gotten around to it, uh, unfortunately. So there's some differences, but this one actually was, uh, like I said, founded in 2019, but was an extension or an add-on of Goodreads, but then the founder kind of got uh, just kind of learned that hey this could be something on its own and ventured mm. out into the world and got some backing and now it's something that's really big and has almost a million users so uh that's, that's really uh, huge. really great yeah Wait, do we know how much uh goodreads attracts i don't know i looked for that number uh just to do a comparison because goodreads i i've had goodreads since 2010 so I don't know, um, like Goodreads has been around and it's just uh, progressively gotten, um, stayed the same, I guess. It hasn't really progressed. Whereas uh, there's two different versions of Storygraph. There's your paid and there's your unpaid free bare bones version. And that's very, that that's par for the course, right? With apps now, you got your LinkedIn, you got your LinkedIn premium, you got uh, all yeah. the other stuff that is, you know, it, it's par for the, you, you okay. pay and you get more features. Goodreads has 125 mil, so this is very, it's, it's, okay. there's a huge discrepancy, yeah. but still. There, there's a huge, yeah. I, I was gonna say, I thought Goodreads would have a lot, but uh, yeah, um, you know, for something new breaking the scene, it's, uh, it's, it's doing well. Um, and one of the best things, and I don't know, this can't last, but there's no ads, whether it's the free version or the paid version, no ads for Storygraph on the entire thing. And one thing that's drawing people to it is that you can create your own lists and make them public or keep them private. So lists of books, whether it's 
here's the romance books I want to listen to. Here's the romance books I've started and I didn't like. Uh, there's things like that. And I guess uh, that's really popular amongst the book community is sharing these uh, with each other or keeping them private and just sort of almost labeling or organizing your library. And that's what's mm. what's huge your about it. Your top 10 and, of the uh, year or something like that. Because yes, something these are like that. And I think apps. people do that just like they do with music, right? Yeah, playlists, I mean, yeah. What are some of the other differences from Goodreads that are there, Ryan? Like like lists, are, lists I think, are pretty cool, though, in that sense. Because people just love to. So what are you reading? Just like we start with you. Yeah, and uh, so obviously there's the no ads, which is huge. There's the lists oh, and yeah. no lists. And then there's um, no recommendations. So you, it's, it's uh, from what I gather, it's based on stars. Uh, so you, you know, one to five stars, but you don't get to write a review. And that's, people are very mixed about it. People hate it or they love it. And I think I might love that because I tend to avoid the reviews because you might be mad at whatever uh, the expectation you had for the book going in. It didn't meet it for whatever reason. And you take it out. You take it out, right? Or there's a new thing on Goodreads. It's called uh, it's called review bombing. You just give the person a bad review because you don't like them as an author, as a narrator, as an everything. So I think this might be, they might be onto something here where it's like, okay, you Kelly gives it four stars. And uh, that's that's all we know. It has... 25 four-star reviews, 35 five-star reviews, and that's it. And that's all we kind of know. It's, or, you know, it's got 600 one-star reviews. We know maybe this isn't what we thought it was going to be kind of thing. And I kind of really enjoyed it. Kinda, uh, what do you guys think of that? Uh, yeah, no I, recommendation I, I like and no it. rating, I, I like it too. Yeah, it, I like because too many people get personal for the reasons they're an angry old soul and they treat it like <laughs> it's some social media event and just... Well, and I don't they, mind they, they that. A bunch of garbage. I don't I, mind I that. Do Even on Audible, there's a lot of ratings and whatever, and I don't mind that. But the thing is, what I like about but it's this not being right. Well, like your everything is. That's what it is. is very, cool. Yeah, but and, it's, you know, it, with books, it's even more ridiculous when people say, "Well, I don't like it because because everybody's so different." It's the what same we like. thing for music and all that. But the thing uh, is, I don't, I don't mind it because it, we're really fighting about like, okay, if there's a thousand five hundred million people who reviewed this book, then we would have a better sample size right Certainly. but it's when Certainly. it's like a hundred people reviewed this book I'm like uh, i don't know if i can take your opinion however what i actually like about it not having reviews and recommendations is that it makes it different than goodreads then because goodreads has everything goodreads you can go in get a quick star yes. rating uh go through all the reviews go through all this other stuff but this is simply for cataloging and then sharing your cataloging if you want to I do like that. a solid review. I'm not interested in just somebody who doesn't <laughs> like an author because the author's an idiot, right? It doesn't, <laughs> that means nothing to me because the reality is, Ryan, how many books do you want to read for some reason that Ramya or me might, what the heck, who cares about that? But for you, whether it's because you like the way that writer is or because the story itself, hey, this is going to be fun. It's because it's something you're interested in and it doesn't matter how terrible it is. Even if you finish and say, God, that was awful. But because you wanted it's to true. read that subject, yeah. it can get so pretty many generic. People, I so mean, many that's people so will, will not do something just because, like I find this with theater. When we go to a fringe festival, people are always asking, hey, what's a good play to see? Well, if I tell them this one, oh, okay, because they don't want to spend well, their money read the comments, without right? knowing. Yeah, you, yeah you, you either read com or decide for yourself it's an interesting topic, story. Wow. Go do it. Another and thing? then say, eh. I love this hot take. Yes, Ryan. And another thing I really like about this is, uh, so you know you have your, um, how many books you've read in a year, I plan to read 52 books, or I plan to listen to 52 books on Goodreads. What Storygraph has is you can do a number of pages, 
versus number of books versus number of listening hours, which is cool. So nice. you can say, right. I want to listen right. to yes. 500 listening hours rather than 40 books or however many books it is. And I kind of right. like that. I'd like to see That's interesting. How, what kind of goal I could set if it's, hey, I want to listen to, let's say, 500 hours. Like, I feel like that's a lot for a year. So I wonder if, uh, you know, that how it kind of calculates and how would you... How would you know, oh, Ryan didn't finish this book, but he listened to four of 12 hours and just couldn't get into it or, or whatever, because there are people that do that, mm -hmm. right, kind of thing. It so tracks wondering... a lot of different things, too. Like, this customizability is not just about the uh, yes. reading in terms of numbers, right, or goals, I should say. There's a whole bunch no, of other stuff genres, it tracks. there's there's all kinds of stuff, yeah, and I haven't really gotten into it, but there's so many Mood different things. Mood and pacing. It's almost like Netflix. A lot of that is great marketing and feedback. Movies. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then the one yeah. thing that's really cool and uh, that uh, have parents on board, even for the younger tween and, and teenage users, is that um, it has warnings and content that is might be triggering for some if they're looking mm -hmm. to read a certain book or they're looking right. to read, hey, this book has some swearing, this book has some... Uh, intimate details about this or that or the other or there's extreme violence or or whatever in it and there's actually warnings like that which I think is kind of cool and even for someone like myself that's looking into it and and reading it and you think a book is one thing but then all of a sudden it's kind of something else right yeah. and you, you can see what what's going on there um, or if you're one of those people that loves and can absolutely only read books with swearing and you figure this one doesn't have any, maybe this isn't the book for you too kind of thing. So it kind of <laughs> works both ways with that. And I, I I like that there's there's the options for that. Now I just wonder, is this like crowdsource or is this actually, hey, this is what it is by the the publisher kind of sets these grounds. That's kind of a thing, fair or, point. Or what, yeah. Yeah, like well, who are we really trusting wonder, here? Yeah, and you also wonder in going back to the uh, stuff they gather and in information, how much do authors care about that, want to know that? Because any author want to know, why do my books, people tend to kind of back off of halfway through? What am I mm. not? Based on these parameters. Right. Yeah, how come I'm not holding them? What do I do? Yeah. That must be fascinating for them. No, yeah, I think you're right, too. And another thing that gets people going with this is that the interface looks really cool. However, it's very accessible. So I guess you oh, have nice. the someone's finally figured out how to do both. I don't know if uh, how how it's worked, but I haven't had a problem with it. Just just rooting around in there and searching for books and doing this. But I think that that's really cool too. If you're able to have it look nice for those sighted folks out there, but also work for us screen reader users and magnification users too. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, every, people are going to get on this just because it's ad free. Just period. Right. There's yes. so. Exactly. It can't laugh. Yeah. It can't laugh. Yeah. There's how long? No, obviously how long not. The ads come in. Obviously yeah. not. But right. it's a great headline. You know, like it's ad free. Whether or not you pay Get for you it. Get nice and addicted, Done. and then bring them in later. Yeah, right? Like yeah. Else. But it is offering a lot of difference between. Mm -hmm. At first, you know, first glance, it's like okay, it's another version of Goodreads, but it's actually not. There are a lot more. Um, I wonder what their first the iteration was like. On... Why they updated. Well, back on Twitter, uh, before it was X, I, I saw a tweet about this, and it was like, hey, completely ad-free book catalog, and I was like, oh, and that's when I started to look into it, uh, and I was, I was like, there's no way it can be ad-free, nothing's ad-free on, yeah. online anymore. And wait, that was years ago, and it's still ad-free? Nothing in life, nothing yeah, in life is so far. Maybe once they hit 25 million... Then they'll start adding ads. There's got to be a number. There's got to and there, there's got to be a price too. I mean, if you're you're in it to make money, right? You're you're not. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, well, there's, there's that big side of it. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes. Let the uh, authors and the distributors pay for it. All right, Ryan, we got to go. Make it work your while. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Thanks, next Tom. week. Audiobook Bye, chat guys. with Ryan Huey, and that's every Friday on the Chatty Bookshelf. Hmm. He didn't throw in one of his special endings. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, coming up next on the program, let's uh, revisit and weigh in on conversations from the past week. We call it Cut for Time. Grant Hardy joins us again. We'll get into it after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Once again, remember to check out the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. You can listen to the audio vanity card on the Complete Kelly and Rumya podcast. Or you can listen to the show in segment form. You have your favorite contributor. Check it out that way. Subscribe using your favorite podcaster. That's to the Kelly and Rumya podcast. If you have time, folks, please give us a rating and review. We call this segment Cut for Time. We'll give you some ideas of segments you may want to go back to via the podcast and check out. Rummy and I return. Um, Grant Hardy also returns to the program. He was here with us for The Buzz earlier, our reporter, producer. And we get into this segment where we discuss a little bit more than what we originally were able to. We fit it in in this segment because we had to cut it due to time in the original conversation. So I'm going to start, folks, as we reflect on these conversations. Tuesday, we spoke with uh, Dougald Modsley of The Secret World of Sound about his documentary, which dives into the untold stories of animals' lives using sound. Here he is explaining how they made a scientific discovery along the way with this project. Uh, the Great Grey Owl, which uh, we filmed in Alberta, uh, uses amazing hearing to figure out where its prey is, but we never understood how it overcame the way that snow changes sound, because you know that so dampens yes. sound, but oh, it, yes. also, it also bends it, right? Um, it changes where it's coming from, and we all know that quiet sound on a snowy day. So the scientists that we work with use the acoustic camera, another piece of cool technology, to visualize where the sound was, and they realized it was the, the volve was over here, but the sound was coming out way over here, but you know, a meter and a half away and that the great gray owl was actually uh, reducing the impact that the snow had on sound by getting over top of its uh, prey where the sound was least affected by the snow. And so that was new, brand new science just uncovered and mm. that features in our story about the great gray owl, which is of course also an extremely beautiful uh, story all shot in the winter. Of course, find this all on CBC Gem and released here on CBC uh, or on CBC this month. This is fantastic. I mean, as a blind person, I never thought of people really valuing sound as much as people do now. We just finished our audiobooks discussion with Ryan, people listening, people being curious and creating more things based on sound. Let's jump on a subway train with some recorders and ride and let you hear the sounds of underground Paris or, or underground New York, wherever it might be. I find that fascinating. I find that people will now have the tolerance to listen to stuff. Maybe we don't spend a lot of time. We do it in bits and pieces and maybe headlines and things like that we don't take a lot of time for. But to hear this discussion from people talking about sound and as a blind person makes me stop and say, wow, 
Now, it's not totally the way I consume sound. It's totally about the communications of these animals or the nature, what they rely on for survival when it comes to sound. Um, in that piece, talking about the owl hunting and the things that some of us may know about the stifling of snow. And you think, oh, well, I, I'm the only person that really knows that other than someone else who's blind from travel. But we think about the animals of the world, vision, uh, sound, smell, all these things that just as much to us are important are to them. And to certain people, we have in heightened this or that. But to have a program that features on this, to have them discuss it in this method and for us to consume it, for me, was really, really fascinating. And I get what we're hearing, what the animals are hearing, what they're talking about. But to position microphones in places and to build a program uh, around this, just fascinating. And, and as we were talking about it, all I kept thinking is for him, creating this show, being so close to it, was a day-to-day -day thing. Working away at it, proud of some of the discoveries, proud of how they accomplished certain things based on the, the nature, the situation, the environment, and what they had to do, the exciting equipment they used. To me, Grant was fascinating. Mm -hmm. I mean, really fascinating discussion in so many ways. I think that you and I and, and Ramia, I won't speak for you. I know as a as a blind person myself, I sometimes find it really just baffling how underappreciated sound is where yes. you design whatever it is, a, a documentary, a video game, whatever it is with like absolutely breathtaking, you know, graphics. But the sound is maybe just a little, few little sound ups that have very little to do with the production that were just kind of added in after the fact. Um, I find a documentary like this, which is really based on and centered around sound, a special, I should say, not a documentary, is, is uh, really fascinating. But it also highlights something that I've always thought, which is, um, you know, people in the community, the disability community, whether they're they're blind or have different uh, ways of perceiving the, the world than, than uh, the mainstream really have a, a place in STEM, like science, technology, engineering, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think would be able to create and add some interesting perceptions and, and values. And I mean, we know that, for example, our traffic patterns disrupt animals uh in terms of the sounds that they rely on and uh, now we have another document uh, uh another discovery so i think the ways that animals rely on sound is really absolutely uh fascinating ramia yeah it definitely is and i think a lot of it for me has always been kind of around the oh my gosh this is adorable or this is precious and because we feel so separate from animals right like we we don't feel that we are necessarily connected in this way or that way but what i really really enjoyed about this conversation on wednesday was that um we were talking about just you know sibling relationships or uh fights and conflicts that animals have and or you know the birth of like all these little things that are just very their experiences that all living creatures go through, they highlight relationships, they highlight dynamics, and it's being presented in a way that is so real to us because, at least the three of us around the, the table, um, connect through sound, right? We connect audibly through these this kind of information, and so to make it hit 
this way, I think, is so important because it just gives us another way to connect directly with the, the other living creatures of the world, non-human. Um, there's so much that we accredit to just language and say, yeah, because, you know, we can express in English. We know how to say what it's, is happening, to explain, to uh, understand better and comprehend. But that's happening elsewhere all the time with these animals and with all kinds of creatures. We're just not necessarily in tune or understand how to interpret what's going on. So, And we can't talk to them to yeah. know about how they do stuff or why exactly. or what it's like to not them. Not yet, it's, at least. It's amazing. Not yet, assume. exactly. Oh, that yeah. sound is mm -hmm. coming up. Exactly. Uh, so cool. Also, switching to Wednesday, Corinne Van Dusen joined us for her bi-weekly entertainment segment, and she talked about... Kate Hudson getting into the music biz. Here's a little bit of that. Well, uh, looking into it further, it's just the single that's out Aww. right now. So, but mm. we do have information about the album coming up. Okay. So she first revealed her plans to record an album in April of 2022. She shares a lot of stuff on Instagram. So at this time, she shared a picture of her singing in a rehearsal space and wrote, finally realized it's time to say, forget it and sing. Oh. And then on December 31st of uh, this year, she also shared a series of photos and videos from her first concert appearance, which happened uh, in Aspen, Colorado. There it was. So she's kind of been hinting at it for the last, like, two years-ish to say, you know, I... I'm married to a, a musician right now. I've been I've been engaged and married to other musicians, so she knows a lot about it. Uh, we may remember her from her role in Almost Famous, which is a big movie about music, and now she is finally getting behind the mic. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from Kate about the actual process of just breaking out into the music side of things. Um, but, you know, what's really, like, reading between the lines, at least at this point, I think what's important to kind of uh, get on a level, I guess, with these people who we, you know, hype and put on pedestals because they're celebrities, is that there is a lot of fear. There is a lot of conversation and understanding around um, it, people not being confident or not being ready or being afraid to show certain sides of them out to the world. And because they're celebrities and because they're influencers, we go, yeah, yeah, you got the access to do whatever you want. Just, you know, go from singing to acting to dancing to whatever it is that you want to put out there. Oh, now you want to um, get part in retail? Go ahead, you know, brand these products, et cetera, et cetera. And we know a lot of celebrities do that already. But, and especially because I, I love music myself and I sing, uh, there's a part of me that's so sensitive to this idea of she wasn't ready and that tagline i guess that she said of forget it and sing to me that rings as she was afraid or not necessarily ready for whatever myriad of reasons and you know corinne pointed out that she's been married to and been engaged with and has a lot of people in her realm in her world who are musically involved but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to put it out and maybe she's a fantastic singer and she finally feels like she can share that out with the world um but it's kind of this you know empathy right around just because she's a celebrity and just because she has the ability to put everything out there, you know, when the, the accessibility and the uh, the supports that 
doesn't mean that she's necessarily ready. And this is so much easier to understand if you're just an everyday person who hasn't put out anything yet and who doesn't have the clout and the stat of a celebrity. But even with celebrities, they have these human experiences, right, Kels? Oh, for sure. And one would argue, we don't know that this isn't something the person's wanted to do, have been told to do. I, I, right? I liken it to athletes, right, who, who you say, wow, LeBron James, he's a great basketball player. Yeah, but I don't know what it was like when he was playing high school football. So he could true. have been brilliant at playing football, but this is where his bread's best buttered. I remember some athletes who played baseball, and I got peeved off. Well, what do you mean he's decided to sign with the Boston Celtics? Why? It's a best basketball. He's gone because that's where his bread's best buttered. Not everyone can do two things at once, but a lot of people want to dabble. I think if you have the money, you obviously could go out and record. doesn't mean if you're good or bad, yeah. and in her case, it doesn't mean if she's good or bad or needs to take the time or going to be that top-notch performer. It's being able to try. But I like that you pick out, like, said, like you know, well, you know, just, just let go. Because that person, no matter how well off you are, you can't shake nerves, Grant. Mm. Mm -hmm. Abs absolutely true. I actually find this really interesting from kind of a, a, another perspective, just thinking about all of the celebrities that are multifaceted and have either just tried singing or you know maybe their the older sibling has sang and now they're trying singing and it's actually really good it turns out really well and it makes you wonder uh not even wonder but just think about how many people have that potential out there that are just having a hard time getting Alex. the exposure or the yeah. resources and I, them, I think a lot do grant because of what they have to do to get where they are in their career maybe they were in a musical maybe they had to dance and maybe that that right. made them try out something else yeah that no we that's never absolutely know true about. yeah absolutely true but yeah just just thinking about the the lay people that like hey you might be sort of the next hit singer you know if only you had kind of the resources or the clout or you know the opportunity the uh, and up, not yeah. exactly and yeah uh, I don't think we have time for item three here. Oh, yeah, we're um, good. Oh, yeah, we're oh good. do we? Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, so sticking with uh, Wednesday's show, uh, we sort of feature on the short-term placement program uh, that you guys attended at W. Ross McDonald. Uh, here's a little snippet of that touching on the benefits of the program. But we have different themes every STP weekend. Um, we have a sports weekend coming up. Um, previously, we had like a cooking and independent living skills weekend. Um, we have a creative arts and music weekend. So w when the kids sign up, the idea is that they're signing up for something that they really want to participate in, I guess. You know, we want people to be excited to come, right? Um, that being said, like, you know, we have weekends where we have 25 kids here, right? Um, especially our, our sports and music weekends tend to be very popular. Um, we also do parents weekends. Those are... Um, Pretty interesting. Uh, we try to do like all ages opportunities. So um, for some of the younger kids that maybe can't come and stay a whole weekend independently, right. they can come with their parents and have some fun. And then we typically try to do some like information sessions with the parents as well, or like some pathway planning, that type of thing. You know, we have themes and expanded core curriculum opportunities. And, and um, you know, we, we, we try to create this um, super accessible environment but but ultimately it's it's that um it's that social connection that the kids get to make with each other and the, and the friendships that kind of go along with it that's what keeps kids coming back and that's the real like um the real thing that they sort of remember and and, and then bring home and spread the word about 
Now, obviously, this was short-term placement. This was not uh, long-term people attending the school full-time, but it sort of made me think about something that's been on my mind for a long time, which is that, you know, I was so uh, smug about, sorry, not smug, I was, I was so happy to be attending the mainstream school, mm. but the older I get and the more I think about it, the more I think how many more opportunities and how much happier I maybe would have been if I'd attended somewhere like W. Oh, Ross McDonald, because just the, the mainstream school, they really try, like they really try and have utilize as many resources as they can. But it just strikes me that W. Ross McDonald and places like that just have so many additional resources and opportunities and social opportunities just could go on and on that would really benefit you don't know if either of you want. i want to say i agree completely grant i've legit felt the same way especially after getting on this show like five six years ago and talking to so many people including you kels who talk often about the uh, specialized school experience and i think I really I feel so similarly that I've missed out on a lot of opportunity. I'm kind of catching up now, right? Like trying specialized sports and all these other things. Uh, um, but the facility and this kind of like confidence building that you get, I guess, from having had these opportunities, just the exposure alone, I've missed out on decades of that. I'm a fan of um, best of both worlds. I I hear what you two are saying, and I know as a student at WRS, I got to, oh, man, I hate that I got to come here every week, and but yeah. we took it for granted. We had all these opportunities and things we got to play with. When I went to Saunders and, and cited school in London, I missed some of that. I was happy to be out. I was happy for the different experience being mm. in a high school with 2,000 kids in it and learning and navigating and doing school things there. But definitely knowing I could go out without having to explain myself and play baseball, play hockey, yep. and do things like that without you know it there. being a difference, because we can. We throw it together. Yeah. Sure, it wasn't of the magnitude of of, of Saunders. Um, I think the closest thing to that for me was being on the swim team or the wrestling team because we, we competed against uh, mainstream schools. But we had that opportunity, and I've had so many people say to me, I wish I had been at. We had that ability to learn computers at their first, at the earliest times, and have people teach us in a way we could consume, which would help us go forward for secondary, for, for jobs, and, and whatever else we wanted to do. Um, there is a lot that I can say and agree totally, and it was wonderful mm -hmm. when those kids were there, and I didn't get a chance to say this. Thank you, guys, students the staff for inviting us, but for the wonderful questions and the fun. Yeah. Grant, appreciate you being with us too for Cut for Time and filling in on the buzz today. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Have a good one. Reporter Grant Hardy joining us here on the program. Rummy and I will return when we wrap up this show. We'll tell you a little bit about programming on AMI Audio, AMI TV over the weekend, our closing moment, and give you a tee up for next week's Monday edition of Kelly and Rummy. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Our closing moment today, I always find it interesting when you talk about health-related things. There's so many things we can be positive about, but always take things, as we say, with a grain of salt. We'll get into that in just a couple of moments. Rumya Muth and Kelly McDonald, hosts of Kelly and Rumya. As for the Cut for Time, we just did. Check out our podcast if you want to hear any of those segments in further detail. Listen to them completely. Some great things we talked about there and had uh, time to add in some of our own feelings and thoughts. 
Also, over the weekend, check out AMI-TV and AMI-audio. Tune into Level Playing Field Saturdays on AMI-TV. This week, they're going to head north to Whitehorse to meet Stephanie Dixon. We've had Stephanie on this program, wonderful, engaging speaker. One of Canada's most decorated Paralympians, as she embraces her role as advocate and mentor. This is hosted by Paralympian Greg Westlake. Level Playing Field airs Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. here on AMI-TV. Moving to AMI-audio, if you missed the latest headlines from the Globe and Mail, you can tune into the best of the Globe and Mail today, Sundays on AMI-audio. You can join Corinne Van Dusen and Mike uh, Ross, the hosts of the show, as they deliver news, editorials and business, sports and entertainment stories pulled from the latest edition of the Globe and Mail. That's the best of the Globe and Mail today, Sundays at 8 a.m. Eastern, nice and early on AMI-audio. I want to talk for a moment in our closing moment about the over 425 million people worldwide with diabetes. Approximately 75 million inject themselves with insulin daily. Now they may have an alternative other than syringes or insulin pumps. Scientists have found a new way to supply the body with smart insulin. The new insulin could be eaten by taking a capsule or even better, my favorite, taking a piece of, putting it in a piece of chocolate. Mm. Inside these, we will find tiny nano carriers that uh, the insulin is encapsulated within. So small you can't even see these under a normal microscope. This way of taking insulin is more precise because it rapidly can deliver the insulin to the areas of the bodies that need it most. When you take insulin with a syringe, it's spread it throughout the body where it can cause unwanted side effects, explains Peter McCourt, professor. He's one of the researchers behind the study. They've created a study, excuse me, a coating to protect the insulin from being broken down by stomach acid and digestive um, enzymes on its way through the digestive system, Ow. keeping it safe until it gets to the liver. That's its, uh, its destination mainly. So when blood sugar is high, there's a rapid release of insulin. And even more importantly, when blood sugar is released uh, uh, low, there is no releasing of the insulin. Mm. What remains now? Let's test it on humans. The researchers hope that the new medicine could be ready for everyone in two to three years. Wow. Now. That is, what this is huge. I think so. I think so. Especially when you talk about kicking side effect, not having yeah. to inject. And just wow. understanding the body to the point to know when it would be released, when it should be released, like trajectory down the system, but as well as a, a necessity. Wow. Technology. I've been waiting for things like this to come ahead as we, we move along at fighting oh what goodness, is definitely yeah. one of the world's biggest uh, epidemics right now, mm -hmm. diabetes. So really, really cool. Folks, we have a show on Monday starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Vancouver celebrates the Lunar New Year in February with events throughout the Lower Mainland. Community reporter Carol Yapel, she'll have details for us. One of our favorite apps, Be My Eyes, added a new feature called Groups. Let's check it out and find out more about it on our Tech Talk with Michael Babcock. Gateway to the weekend swung right open for you, ladies and gentlemen. Now enjoy it. Get out of here, will you? Host Kelly McDonald. Reporter, Grant Hart. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI audio, Andy Frank. 
Director of TV Production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. This has been a tougher week, folks, when it comes to tech. Um, we did some great things working on the equipment, and, of course, that led to one little thing that we're still figuring out. As I sit here Friday morning, not quite sure I'm going to be on the show, and this is the things that happen with doing a live show. It marches towards you. It feels like you're marching towards it or should be that way. However, sometimes it feels like it pulls up and says, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. I, we're going to start this thing early, and, you know, no, no, we're not going to do that. Get out of here. Um, and that's just the things that happen as you do the daily grind of a live show. Um, so right now we're just tinkering, among other things going on, uh, with the audio. So that the weird audio I had at the start of Thursday's show, figured that out, kind of had a good idea what was going on, but needed the time to get that sorted out. Got it sorted out this morning, and now just working on some levels and things like that. So I'm expecting a ring back to kind of sort that out. But this is the stuff of what we refer to when we talk to people, as we did with the W. Ross kids, as, as the daily grind. It isn't one of those things, well, this isn't working too well today. Let's take a break. Let's do some other things and come back at this tomorrow. Um, when I was doing TV work otherwise, you know, we'd be shooting a story. And obviously, if you're on location, you have guests booked, you, you got to do it then and there as best you can. But one of the things I always felt so guilty for is some people are excited to have you cover their story. They're excited to be involved until they see how long it takes for us to get the accompanying B-roll for us to you know sit down with them for us to go over stuff for us to set equipment up for us to move location for us to get the right look so many things when you're doing the visuals for TV the accompanying description that we do for our embedded description um it, it really can be quite the deal and people who are excited I used to laugh because I'd get doing interviews with people and we'd be changing this or hey could we take that back and especially when we were new to it ourselves trying to figure it out when AMI TV first came to be and we we were standing out in the field trying to you know learn how to do this thing how to do something that was pretty unique to our situation with having um, videographer and when I started it was just videographer and reporter I was a national reporter and trying to figure things out, trying to make sure we had our content, trying not to forget something. So when we got back to end to editing, it was, well, where's that? We lost that somewhere. I don't know. Or, well, we got so much content to go through to find it. And maybe you wouldn't find something. Maybe you never shot it. So all those things add up. And I mean, definitely it's great to be able to sit in a studio, talk to so many different people, do those same interviews. And live is exciting. From my broadcast radio school, that just makes my blood flow. And it's always wonderful, folks, to have you guys along with us. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.